0: Good morning. Glad to see you here this morning. Glad for uh, all of you who have chosen to be with us this morning, whether physically or digitally, we want you to know that we are glad you're here. Um, lots of stuff going on right now. This is a busy time of year. There's lots of things happening, and uh, I want you to uh, be caught up with all that. I, I, uh, I don't know if you have uh, picked up a card yet. We still have uh, our Racktober cards. That's still going on right now. That's random acts of kindness throughout the month of October. So you got about one week left, and uh, if you haven't got in on that, I encourage you to pick up a card or two and uh, do something nice for somebody. Take one with you today and when you go to lunch overtip your waiter or uh, you know buy lunch for the table next to you or uh, I don't care. I mean just it's, it's only limited by your imagination. Um, Wednesday night the, the youth group class went to Walmart and we turned them loose in groups with uh, a Racktober card and a Walmart gift card and said go bless somebody. Ask them about it. They'll tell you uh, some of their stories are, are pretty good. And it's, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I think it's more fun for us than it is for the person being blessed, honestly. So, um, check that out. This Wednesday is our Fall Fest. Now, this is a time, one of our events, that is what I call an open door event. Basically, what that means is we open our doors to the community and we invite everybody to come here. And uh, this is one of those things that we want people to come here. We want people to have a good time. Um, we do these kind of things, these open-door events, because even if that person doesn't come back next week, even if that person, you know, sooner or later, they're going to have a moment where they're going to think, you know, I, I need God. I need to get right with God. And, you know, they're going to go to the place where they feel comfortable. Let's go to that church to where we went for, for, for Fall Fest. They were kind of fun. Um, so that's the purpose of these things. Um, so Fall Fest, there's a lot of ways you can help out. If you'll, uh, You can sign up out there at the Hub or you can go ask Heather and she will point you in a direction um there's everything you can do from manning booths to uh uh helping kids to uh buying a sack of candy and uh, whatever it is that, that that I guarantee you there is something that you can do that will fit where you are and uh you can be a part of fall fest that is this Wednesday night um So, we want to make plans to be here for that. Uh, We'll be in Habakkuk chapter 3 this morning. We're finishing up our series, How Long, O Lord, as we look at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 6 together this morning if you want to follow along, otherwise it will be on the screen. O Lord, I've heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hands, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. Let's stop right there. I'm going to admit to you that I'm an old man. I know it's a shock, but I, I I'm an old man. Increasingly, I find myself grumbling and being a grumbling old man. Um, I grumble about traffic. I grumble about the government. I grumble about kids these days. I I hear my father coming out of my mouth more and more the older I get. I, I yeah. I say all that to say. Uh, there's a lot of churchy stuff that annoys me. I know preachers aren't supposed to say that. We're supposed to be in all that stuff. And and that's probably true. Now, a lot of you are, are gearing up. You're like, oh yeah, he's fixing to let those young'uns have it. Don't get excited because a lot of the old stuff annoys me too. But the 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 churchy stuff sometimes annoys me because we, we get a little flippant in our worship. We get a little lax. We get a little... Well, I have a good friend in Snyder. He is a, a former preacher um, and, and was a, really a, a friend and mentor to me. And he said something once as we were talking about stuff that, that really stuck with me. He said, Jeff, I, I think what's wrong with the church today is that we've lost this sense of holiness. We've taken this intimacy with God that comes from being in Jesus Christ, and and we've turned it into something which minimizes the magnitude of who God is. There's something to that. The loss of a sense of holiness. And and what he's talking about is not the the, the fear of the Lord in in that that you're scared that if you step out of line, God's going to zap you. It's not that God is some cosmic killjoy that's just standing up there waiting for you to make a mistake so he can pop you. But, but we're talking about a, a healthy fear as you come into contact with something as amazing as our God. Let me give you some perspective. The the, the magnitude of the universe is unimaginable for our brains. It, it really is. To, to see how big the universe is, take, take into perspective, the diameter of our solar system is about 8,000 million kilometers. Yeah, that, that's a number. The universe itself is, is, is well, the nearest galaxy is, is, that is similar to Earth is Andromeda. That alone is 1,021 meters away no, that can't be right. The, this, that's really too close. Sorry. Somewhere there's a typer typo in there. Um, the center of our galaxy is 26,000 light years away from where we are. One light year is equal to almost 10 billion kilometers. That means in an airplane, it would take us something like a billion years to reach that galaxy, Andromeda. Modern science says the known universe extends about 10 billion light years in all directions and consists of something like 200 billion galaxies. This means it it can take light approximately 20 billion years to cross from one side of the universe to the other. And these numbers are only the known universe. This is only the part that we know and understand. He created all that with a word. Let let that sink in for a minute. A word. We're, well, let me give you a note. Article in Discovery Magazine noted a new study that suggests there are around 700 quintillion planets in the universe. That's that number. 700 quintillion planets. It's a revelation that's both beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Uh, astrophysicist Eric Zackerson from the, from the University in Sweden uh, arrived at this staggering figure, uh, seven followed by like 21 zeros, um, with the aid of a computer model. Zackerson found that the Earth appears to have been dealt a, quote, lucky hand. Uh, in a galaxy like the Milky Way, for example, most of the planets in his model generated looked very different from Earth. They were larger, older, uh, unlikely to support life. But one of the fundamental requirements for a planet to sustain life is to orbit in a hospitable zone of a star, the, the so-called Goldilocks region, where the temperature is just right and liquid water can exist. And and Earth lives in that space. And, and I, I know I'm, some of you who are scientists, you realize I'm, I'm bumbling this because I'm swimming in an end of the pool that I'm not qualified to go in. But I'm trying to explain the magnitude of who our God is. Physicists will tell you that if gravity was a fraction heavier or a fraction lighter, the earth would either drift apart or self-combust. God created all this with a word. When we come into worship, we are coming into the presence of that being. That being that we can't understand. We can't wrap our minds around Him. It's, that's, that's what holy means. Holy doesn't mean right or special. Or, holy means so different, so other, that we don't get it. And we can't get it. And we've lost some of that sense of holiness. Now, I'm not saying everything's bad or don't don't hear me being as much of the crotchety old man as I am. What I'm saying is that we've lost some of the fear that should come with, with interacting with something like that. When we come into the presence of a being that can create a universe with a word, we should be a little worried. I I, I should be a little trepidatious about what I'm coming into contact with. Habakkuk is trying to help us see this holiness of God. He describes God crashing into the scene like a a victorious warrior, a conquering hero, if you will. He enters and the earth shudders, as it should. Verse 5 is especially interesting for me. Verse 5, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. When I began to research this a bit, I I found that these words translated pestilence and plague are actually proper names. Interesting, right? Maybe it's just the Bible nerd that finds that interesting. But pestilence and plague are actually proper names. These are, are names recorded in other Jewish writings of Jewish demons, this, this one of them is, is actually found in ancient Canaanite literature as one of their gods. Now, what does that mean? It, it, it means that, that let, let me just put it in East Texas terms for you, if you'll let me, okay? The, that means that these demons, the demon of plague and the demon of pestilence, are Yahweh's yard dogs. You ever see a farmer go out to feed his cows and little dogs running at his heels, running all around? Pestilence and plague are our God's yard dogs. Not that he's sending them out. Not that he's putting plague or pestilence upon us. That should be interesting to us as we've lived with something like plague for a, a while now. But it, it should give us hope in that these things, this, these things like plague that we thought at one point was going to take over our entire earth, these things are just dogs just yapping at his heel. Our God is so much bigger than that. It is so influential to Him. They just kind of follow along behind Him. That should give us a bit of hope. Verse 16, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Habakkuk is saying, when I come into this presence of this being, of this Yahweh, He is so overwhelming to me that I fall apart. I can't be in His presence. We need to remember a sense of awe and wonder as we come before God. We need to remember a little bit of that of that healthy fear of the Lord. Now again, I'm not talking about a fear of punishment. I'm talking about a sense of holiness. We are coming into the presence of something, someone so different that we can't hope to understand it. But what's amazing is that He wants to know me. This God who creates universes with a word wants to know me. It's like the ocean. I love going to the ocean. I like going to the ocean. It's calming for me. It's centering to me. But when you're interacting with the ocean in any way, you need to have a healthy fear of it. Because while the ocean can be beautiful and peaceful and calming, the ocean can also be deadly. And if you don't respect it, if you don't have a healthy fear of it, it can destroy you. I think that's a, a best a, the, the weirdest, simplest analogy, but the idea is that as we're coming into the contact with this God who is so holy, so other, so different, we need to remember that, yes, He creates universes with a word. And so when I come before Him, I need to be overcome, like Habakkuk here. I, I need to be overcome a, a, as I praise His amazing otherness. Habakkuk says, I'll praise God no matter what. I'm going to praise God and and, and I'm going to praise him not because he does good things for me, but because he is so amazing. Habakkuk's bigger point here is, is something that's also very pertinent for us today. Look with me, verse 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and, fields yield, and and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk says, I'm going to praise God no matter what. Not because he's doing good things for me, not because he's doing nice things for me, but because he is God. I'm going to praise God. That's important. Because if we can get that kind of attitude, our God is so holy, so different, that that we can't comprehend Him. And we're going to praise that holiness all the days of our life. Not because I'm getting blessed for it. Not because I'm getting anything out of it. but, But because He is that amazing to me. I'm going to praise Him no matter what. Because God is not changed whether you praise Him or not. There are are legions uh, of people and angelic beings who are praising Him all the time. He doesn't need me to praise Him. It's not about God being changed if I praise Him. It's about me being changed when I praise Him. When I praise God, God is not changed. But when I praise God, I... changed. As I praise God, my eyes open to to see how little my problems are in comparison with the majesty of God. His majesty and awesomeness come into view in a way that that makes my little stuff not seem so big anymore. That healthy sense of 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 his majesty, of his massiveness, of, of his holiness, changes my perspective on everything. The more I put my eyes on God, the less I have them on the struggles and the problems that are plaguing me. Let me give you an example. You're driving to work, okay? And you're on your way to work, and on your mind is this big meeting that you have today. And, and you're talk, thinking about what you're going to say. You're thinking about how you hope it's going to go. You're really, really stressed and really, really focused on this meeting. And as you go through this light, you see a bus careening out of control that didn't stop at the light, and it's coming straight for you. Are you thinking about the meeting anymore? No. You're thinking, what am I going to do? i got to get out of the way. You are shift into survival mode, right? When I praise God, it changes my perspective. When I get overcome with the holiness and the awesomeness of God, so much so that I just want to praise Him all the time, I'm not focused on the little things anymore. Because I'm busy being focused on the big thing. Praising God changes the priorities of my life. It changes the focus of my life, and it puts Him on the throne where He belongs. God isn't overwhelmed with my problems. God isn't phased by my problems. In fact, all the collective problems of every human being on the face of the earth aren't going to stress my God out. The, the, The plague that shut my entire planet down is God's yard dog. You get my perspective here? He has the answer. He has the cure. He has the solution. He knows where all this is going even when I don't understand it. And that's why I praise Him. Praising God puts things back into their proper perspective and brings order and and reason and direction to my life. The chaos of my life comes together when I put God where He belongs. The abiding lesson of Habakkuk, is that people of faith are going to have questions. People of faith are going to have doubts. It's okay. God's a big boy. He can handle it. People of faith are going to struggle and ask, how long, O Lord? How long are you going to let this go on? But we don't live there. We live in a place where we are overcome with the amazing majesty and holiness of our God so much so that we cannot stop praising Him all the days of our life. Because when we do that, it changes everything. It changes me, it changes you, it changes the church, it changes the world around us. Habakkuk teaches us to face our doubts and our questions honestly. To, to take them humbly to the Lord and, and wait for Him to speak to us, wait for His Word to teach us, and then we worship Him no matter what. No matter if the trees fail, no matter if the crops fail, no matter if the the, the businesses fail, no matter if the government fails, no matter whatever it is that we're putting our faith in or that's stressing us out. We take that to God and we leave it with Him and we worship Him no matter what. Look at the last verse with me, verse 19. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, he makes me tread on my high places. Like Paul, Habakkuk is learning that in his weakness, he can be strong in the Lord. Habakkuk says, he makes my feet like the deer's. He's referring to what we would call a bighorn sheep. That's kind of what they had there. And and if you've ever seen one at the National Park or or on the Nature Channel or whatever, these... These sheep can climb on the highest heights and the highest rocks and 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 because their feet are made in a special way that that these hooves that they have aren't hurt by sharp rocks but they're made in a way that that grips even small out, outcroppings. Um God designed their feet for for climbing. They don't slip, they don't fall. Um and and the point here is not the power of the sheep but the design of the sheep. Habakkuk uses the word for female deer, not male deer, to make a point. Because the female is known to climb higher than the male, climb to the highest heights, to run over the rockiest fields because of the God-given design of their bodies. Habakkuk says, my God is going to Make me like the deer, where I can tread on the high places. When when we say walking in high places, we're talking about uh, climbing mountains or all this kind of stuff, and, and and we're amazed by that. But in that culture, high places connotates a difficult, challenging thing. It's somewhere you don't want to go, and 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 so it's interesting when Habakkuk says that God makes me tread on high places. He makes me walk in the challenging terrain, the place where I may not necessarily want to go. He strengthens me. He equips me. He makes me like the deer that can walk in that place. Obviously, this means that, that I don't do this by my strength. I do this by His. So, When we worship God, when we are overcome with His holiness, He is going to be my strength. God the Lord is my strength. If I want to move to the high places in my life, if I want to overcome the challenging terrain in my life, if I have mountains that I'm trying to overcome that I don't think I can make, that's what Habakkuk is saying. I'm not going to make it as me. I'm going to make it by allowing God to be my strength. And the way I do that is through worshiping Him, through praising Him, no matter what the circumstances. Remember earlier in the book, the just shall live by faith. Too many Christians have a God of good times. We have a God that, that, that we love Him and praise Him, and we sing our sweet-seat songs to Him until something bad happens. And then we're mad, and we go off and pout, and why did God let this happen? Uh, and, and so, I'm going to be real blunt if you've got a God of good times, you don't have the God of the Bible. Your God's too small. He needs to be a little bit bigger. Because God is more than a God of good times. God is a God of all time, from, from before you ever were thought about existing to long after you're going to be gone. God is so big, so majestic, so holy, that our only option is to worship and praise Him. Sometimes the fig tree doesn't bud. Sometimes there are no grapes on the vine, sometimes the olive crop fails, The, the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen, there are no cattle in the stalls, and what do you do then? You can get angry with God, or you can give up on God, or you can choose to rejoice that you have God, and in Him you have everything you need. And He will strengthen you to walk over those high places that you're not strong enough to go. Are you willing to trust God no matter what? Are you willing to come into the presence of this being that is so different, so other, so holy, that we can't help but worship and praise him? Habakkuk is going to walk in faith and in patience and and perhaps most amazingly joy. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now, remember, biblical joy doesn't mean happiness. He doesn't mean God's always going to make everything sunshine and rainbows. He doesn't mean that I'm always going to be sweet and happy. But I can find joy even in the worst circumstances. Not begrudging or or, or angry, but this, this humble submission that puts God in his proper place. On this side of the cross, how much more can you and I, even more than Habakkuk, say, in our most trying times, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation? This morning, if you're not a Christian, it's hard. It's hard for you to understand that. If you're not a Christian, you don't understand how, how you can find joy in, in the hardest situations. And, and that's understandable. Once you have put on Christ, once you have become a new creature, then then you're walking in a way that you've never walked before, and the world is forever changed. Your perspective is forever changed. This morning, we're going to sing a song, and this song is an opportunity for you to respond and, and, and to come, whatever you need. If you need us to pray with you, we would be more than happy to do that. If you need us to help you to find Jesus and to become a Christian, we would be more than happy to do that. We offer this opportunity so that you can come to him. Yes, he is amazing and holy and other and different. But he loves you enough that he made himself like us, that he died on a cross so that you could live with him forever. Won't you come to him right now while together we stand and sing? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb?